and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And today, I am actually kind of making a response podcast, but not specifically. You know, when I'm coming up with ideas for this show, I watch and listen to a lot of different things. I gather a lot of news. Like, I kind of thought I'd be talking about Birds of Prey today, and then I saw that thing that they... I think they actually called it a trailer or a teaser, and it was more like a weird Instagram thing that eh, it didn't throw me. So I was kind of hoping we'd get more details about that because, you know, I thought they were doing a more Gotham Sirens kind of thing, and they may be doing Gotham Sirens, but calling it Birds of Prey? I'm not exactly sure. It it All I know is that it's got Margot Robbie. It's definitely got Margot Robbie. Remember how much you liked Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn? Well, we have her. She's back. That's really all that it was. Yeah. So, but, so, Bob Chipman did an interesting video about the um, Fantastic Beasts series. And... I am not making this as a direct response to the video that he did, I believe, on the Escapist channel. I believe it was the most recent big picture. Definitely go check it out. It was a good video, and I'm not, like, mad at him or calling him out on anything that he had to say in there. But, and especially because I have not seen The Crimes of Grindelwald yet. Um, that's something that's going to be happening in a couple weeks when it's available for me to watch in my house. So I am not speaking to that at all, but when I, what I did want to talk about is at one point in the video, he makes mention as to, you know, how they might have done a sequel series and that maybe they should have just taken a new kid, put them in Hogwarts and had them face other things. And, okay, that's where I want to start. How do you do a sequel series? This is a topic we're going to have to start talking about a lot. Whether it be a sequel, a prequel, or what have you, it's going to be a topic that we're going to be talking about a lot more than people are probably used to or wanting. Because we're getting a lot of them. Captain Marvel is technically a prequel to the MCU. And I don't think a lot of people have latched on to that yet like it's going to take place in the 90s so that's before the events of any of the other marvel mcu movies so yeah it's going to be a prequel we're getting an mcu prequel am i not supposed to say that they're being very careful in their marketing not to say that but beyond that prequel which is coming and being very careful not to let you realize that it's a prequel even though it's going to be a prequel like the most prequely thing about it is look how young samuel jackson looks yeah because it's a prequel 
we will be getting a, a, a second Star Wars thing. And we don't know what that is. All we know is that the next movie, Star Wars Episode Nine, is supposed to be the last of the Skywalker saga. And I think that that's probably going to be very much the case. I expect Kylo Ren to die during the movie, that that's going to be one of the climactic moments that he's going to die. He is the last of the Skywalkers. And so the Skywalker saga itself will die. That does not mean that they will not call the next episode, the next movie, episode 10. I'm not saying that because I think there is a chance that they will call the next one episode 10 if it continues the story of Ray and Finn and Poe and Rose in them. I don't know if it will. We'll have to wait and see. What we do know is that they have greenlit two separate trilogies that are supposed to be unrelated to the Skywalker saga. So we have the one that Ryan Johnson is working on, and we have the one that Benioff and Weiss, Dan and Dave from Game of Thrones are working on. And we know nothing. Like, I can't speculate about what they're doing in my heart of hearts. I, I imagine that Benioff and Weiss are working on an Old Republic thing because they've got the cachet from doing Game of Thrones and that that's what we're going to be getting. But for all I know, it's going to be at the, about the noble houses of Alderaan fighting and feuding amongst each other. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. But with you know everything that's going on in Star Wars, they're going to have to find some other way to continue the story without the characters that people have come to know. Now, that may be continuing with Finn, Ro you know, Finn Rose, Poe, and the rest. I don't know. But this is the problem that we've already seen faced by fans of Harry Potter. Now, to Bob Chipman's idea that they should have just taken a different student and put him in the school and were her in the school and followed their adventures. I, I, I'm not opposed to that idea. I think that that is something that could have worked. But I feel that that was market tested and found wanting. Remember, we have the cursed child. And while, yes, the stage show is fantastically popular and really hard to get tickets for in London and now in New York... And yes, the basic idea of it is we're following two new kids going to Hogwarts and then there's some timey-wimey stuff. And I'm not going to get into the plot of The Cursed Child because it's one of those things better not thought about, in my opinion. It, yeah. Anyway, but that's the problem. While the stage show has been widely, wildly popular, and while I didn't enjoy reading the script... Because I have it, and I did not enjoy reading it. I would go see the stage show just because I read the description of what's supposed to happen at certain points, and I cannot imagine how you do that on stage. How do you do that live? And so, just to be able to see how they pull off some of that live, I would probably definitely go see it. But Beyond that, not that interested. And a lot of Harry Potter fans had the same experience, that this story 
was not what they wanted. It was not the tale that they wanted to see. And yes, I think a lot of that had to do with the weird timey-wimey aspects of the Cursed Child, which, if you're not familiar with it at all, basically, um, Mr. Diggory is still upset that Cedric has died, and so Harry and Draco's kids try to go back in time to save Cedric, and chaos ensues. You know, timey-wimey. It, it's, it's a... What if Doctor Who and Harry Potter had a child and the child was very ugly and deformed and it didn't really make a good story? And how much of that is, you know, J.K. Rowling's work and how much of that is the people who actually made the screen, you know, the stage play? I don't know. We know that she submitted a story to them. They actually wrote the script. So take that for what it's worth. But because of the reaction to the play, The Cursed Child, and remember, studios are stupid. Whenever you're thinking about a movie company, you have to really think of it from the point of view that they're just dumb. And so you have to dumb down a lot of your thought processes. And I don't mean that in the sense that they don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to make money because obviously they know how to make money or they wouldn't be making multi-billion dollar movies, which tends to happen. Warner Brothers, though, has had a consistent problem that they don't have a lot of successful IP. They had the Batman movies, which made them a good amount of money until they didn't. And then before that, they had the Superman movies, which made them a bit of money until they didn't. And then they had the Dark Knight movies, the Christopher Nolan movies that made them a good bit of money until they didn't. And they had the Harry Potter movies, which made them a good bit of money. And so all they could think to do was, hey, can we do more Batman movies and Superman movies? And well, that didn't work. And can we do more with Harry Potter? I think it was a good idea not to continue the story of Harry, Hermione, and the rest, especially once the actor said that they were not willing to come back. It's one thing to revisit a story. It's another thing to revisit a story that's been recast, especially one as popular as Harry Potter, that is still, like, it's not that old of a franchise, like, it'd be one thing if we wanted to continue a story from the 1960s and recast it, because, you know, we, we would have to. The actors, you know, would have aged out if they're even still around, right? But it, it would be odd. So I, I do have to give them props for not saying, well, let's just recast Harry, Hermione, and Ron and run with it. Mm, yeah, that would not have gone over well. And because the fan reaction to the script for The Cursed Child was not very good, and because a lot of people didn't want to get into spoilers in their initial reactions, like, you know, I'm being fairly circumspect in my discussion of it, one of the things that I saw going around a lot around the release of The Cursed Child was, well, here we are going back to Hogwarts for another adventure. So I think that that in part 
is one of the reasons why the next film series that they greenlit wasn't that. On the other hand, I think they were looking at, we need to do a show that can bridge audiences. We need to take all of the kids who grew up watching Harry Potter, who are adults now, and all the kids that were born after the series and make something that can please both of them. I think that was the initial idea going into Fantastic Beasts. And when you look at the first movie, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, there is an ample amount of humor for children and storylines for adults. So if you grew up watching Harry Potter, you can get into this world because it's not about kids anymore. But, you know, the erumpent is definitely a scene that's in the movie for kids. I mean, it's a funny scene, but it's definitely in the movie for kids. And again, I'm not going to talk about Crimes of Grindelwald because, you know, haven't seen it yet. Now, this led to a series of problems. And the biggest ones are a studio can never say it made a mistake. They see that as, you know, admitting defeat. If you admit that you made a mistake, that means that you make bad movies. If you admit that you make bad movies, why would anybody come to see your movies? It's a weird Cartesian loop that they've got themselves in. So they can't admit that they made a mistake. That's why we finally get a movie about Queen and we get Brian Singer directing it. Yeah, I'm not going to go into all that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just just Google it. That's a whole other topic that I don't want to get into. But this is the problem that we have with Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was a staple of kids' movies for an extremely long time. You have the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You have the um, that horrible, horrible Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie, which makes me happy because at least it's distinct from the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie that was actually good and people should watch. But he was a state, and of course, the uh, Alice in Wonderland movie. So you have Johnny Depp being part of a whole bunch of children's entertainment for a very long time that's been very popular. It just so happens that by the time they get around to making this project, pretty much everybody's just done with Johnny Depp. But he's already been filmed in the big reveal scene at the end of Fantastic Beasts. You cannot back out now. Because doing so would mean that you are admitting to making a mistake. If you admit that you made a mistake, then that means that you're admitting that you make bad movies. And if you admit that you make bad movies, why would anybody go to see your movies? Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible set of logic. It's the same problem that that you have with the Star Trek films. We want to continue the story, but we need to bring in new actors. Mainly because a lot of the original cast is no longer with us. So, how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to recast it and do a reboot and do kind of this weird thing with it. Well, people really didn't like the first one, so we can't say that the first one was bad, but we're going to do a second one, and, oh, well, we can't admit that the first one was bad and the second one was, oh boy, yeah. It was not only bad, they actively lied to the audience to try to maintain a surprise that wasn't a surprise because everybody knew they were doing A reboot of Wrath of Khan. But yeah, so they can't tell us and they can't admit that they made a mistake. 
And then we get a movie that's actually pretty good, Star Trek Beyond. But by that point, a lot of people had checked out. Yeah. And I'm wondering what's going to happen now. Let's continue this after the break. Welcome back. Okay, so as we left off, we have them having some really hard decisions to make. Are they going to get rid of Johnny Depp? Well, we have a problem then that we've already included him in a movie and we've already started filming another movie with him. Depending on how his contract's going, was written, they may have to pay him whether he's in the movie or lot or not. A well-named actor really can get that in their contract, so that's probably one of the main reasons. But you also have the problem that in their own way of thinking, like think about it, they still haven't admitted that they made any mistakes with Man of Steel, with uh, Dawn of Justice, Batman v Superman, or Justice League. Those were fine. Those were perfectly acceptable movies. Suicide Squad wasn't a mistake. See, we're doing a direct sequel to it kind of reboot thing. See, don't you remember Harley Quinn? You liked Harley Quinn, didn't you? And this is the circular reasoning that you find a lot of Hollywood companies dealing with. So, what do you do? I, my, my feeling for why we ended up getting the movies that we're getting is they wanted to do something related to the story. Well, um, young Voldemort movie would not be that interesting. I feel that they had already ruled out, mainly because we already know everything that happened. I feel that they had already ruled out just doing a new school movie. And that's partially, again, like I said, because of the reaction to A Cursed Child, The Cursed Child, but also because of the sequel problem. See, and you can see this with The Force Awakened, Awakens. This is a really good example of it. And actually, when you think about it, it's one of the main differences between The Force Awakens and um, The Phantom Menace. When George decided to do The Phantom Menace, he wanted to... He, he is on record as saying he wanted to show the universe that Luke dreamed about. If you remember that moment in A New Hope where Luke says, if there is a bright and shining center of the galaxy, then you're on the planet that's furthest from it. And so he wanted to show the degradation of things. So everything was intended to be bright, shiny, new looking, to show a contrast with Star Wars, A New Hope. The story was intentionally different enough from A New Hope that he could tell the story that he wanted to tell, whether you like it or not. He told the story he wanted to tell, and he wanted it to rhyme, and that's why we get the attack on the droid ship and everything like that, so that thematically it connects with the fight on the Death Star and what have you, right? Okay. But the difference is alienated a lot of Star Wars fans who did want it to be the same. They really wanted it to be the same and were shocked and horrified that it wasn't the same. Why are all the ships shiny and new? Why does everything look shiny and new? Why does everything look shiny and new? This was a repeated refrain around the prequel. Well, 
On the other side of that, we have The Force Awakens, where they went completely the other way. It's basically a retelling of A New Hope. Like, beat for beat. Except for Luke is now Rey, and Poe, well, Finn, actually, is now Han Solo, and Han Solo is now Obi-Wan Kenobi, and dot dot dot, right? Kylo Ren is the new Darth Vader, dot dot dot. And so, point for point, it is a remake of A New Hope. And it has the visual look and feel of A New Hope, and hits all the beats that A New Hope did. Yes, it did an amazing amount of money, which is why they continued, but if you look at all of the complaints about the movie is, oh, it's too, it's too much the same. It's too much the same. It's too much the same. They, they, they basically compressed the original trilogy down into one film and recast everybody and are calling it a new star Wars film. So realizing sooner or later, they're going to have to bite the bullet and do original stories. They bring in Ryan Johnson, who writes an extremely original story for the last Jedi. And alt-right people ripped fandom in twain. I'm not saying that there aren't people outside of the alt-right who have not enjoyed A New Hope. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, that have not enjoyed The Last Jedi. But a lot of the most outspoken people were on that side. And I I have met people that are not alt-right who didn't enjoy it. Don't think I'm trying to paint everybody with the same brush. But... It was too different for some Star Wars fans and had the effect of splitting the fandom down the middle. This is the horrible place you're in when you're trying to extend a franchise beyond its original story. And this is the place that Warner Brothers finds itself with the Wizarding World movies. Now, again, not talking about the crimes of Grindelwald, because as I said, I was not in a physical place to go see the movie when it was out in theaters. I'm still waiting a couple weeks for it to be available for me to watch on my home set. But having said that, you can see the theory going on in their mind. They took all of the parts that they thought people liked about the original movies without Hogwarts. Because again, they felt that that would be too same-samey. They may have been wrong about that, but you can see the thought process at work there. And they tried to put it together and repackage it in such a way that, here we go, we have a new movie in a new franchise. I think they made two two basic mistakes in doing this in in that by connecting it to Grindelwald they have set themselves up with a problem that we already know how the story is going to end so that kind of takes a lot of the tension out And as we discussed in how my episode, how George Lucas made a perfect star Wars prequel, 
there are ways to make a really good prequel that doesn't have those problems. So far, and this is why I think, for me, the first Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movie worked. The story is mostly about Newt's commander and his traveling case of creatures. It made for a movie that I enjoyed. It made for characters that I enjoyed. It made for a lot of very interesting and fun stuff. It also opened up the possibility for them to show magical communities in other places. This, I think, was meant to be the big selling point of the five movie series, which I believe is what the, it was originally pitched at being, though there are rumors going around that it will be cut down into a trilogy and that the next film will be the final film in this arc and then they'll go off and try to do something else. But how do you continue a series? See, you have very few series that can have such a range of stories in them if they're not in initially intended to be that. When you read Tolkien, for example, because my husband is actually reading through the Tolkien books last night, and we've been, you have no idea how hard it was for me not to do an entire episode today about the battle at Minas Tirith, the battle of the plane, because we just finished going through that part. And, oh, I love Tolkien so much. But the Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion were written around each other in such a way that the tone and timbre of the stories work together. But even in the brilliant, brilliant world of J.R.R. Tolkien, you have The Hobbit, which was written on the side for different reasons and feels almost alien to the rest of the story, to the rest of the world. Now, you do get the wonderful break that it was supposedly written by Bilbo, so it's written from a Hobbit's point of view, and, you know, thus it's a much brighter, chippier kind of story. But it really does feel divorced from the rest of the series, even though one of the most pivotal actions in the entire Lord of the Rings universe in all the history of Arda takes place in this book, and that's Bilbo finding the ring. So, how do you do this? Well, hopefully, I'm doing it fairly well. In my own fiction, I am writing multiple stories that take place in the same world. And the idea actually came in that order. I had an idea for a book I want to write, but I felt like there was a lot of stuff that I needed to cover before we get to that book. Now, I don't expect everybody to read every book in the series, and I'm going to have to do some recap in that book, but I felt it necessary to fill in some gaps before we get there. And so I'm writing prequels to a book that's never been written that hasn't been written yet that I've got like four chapters written in. And thus the world is designed to connect with itself and to work with itself. And that's part of its interior design. I've got it easy when it comes to that. I, I don't think a new Hogwarts movie would have been a natural success. I think a lot of people would have rolled their eyes and go, oh, here they go again. And maybe if they do cut short the Fantastic Beast movies and then give us that movie, 
it will have a better chance of succeeding because at least in the interim, they tried something different. They tried something new. I, I don't know, but there, there was just this tone in Bob's video and that really kind of irked me that it's obvious what they should have done. And that's just take a checklist of everything that people liked about the original and just done that again, though I have to say his idea of a Quidditch movie. I want that. I really want that. Do that. Warner brothers. If you happen to listen to this, go watch Bob's video, cut out the snippet on the Quidditch movie, send Bob a check for giving you an idea because you don't want to be CBS and do that movie. I want to see that movie. That would be awesome. But beyond that, you know, I, I don't know what they could, could have done. I do think it would have been boring to just do a rehash of the original movie with new kids or just Let's go back to Hogwarts with a new class and come up with a new story because anything, th this is the problem with Harry Potter and it's the problem with any epic fantasy that you write. Every star Wars movie will have to be, be have something in it that impresses you as much, if not more than the pod race scene from episode one, than the, Trent, the Death Star, Death Star Trench Run from episode four, then the fight with the walkers at the beginning of the, the, the Battle of Hoth at the beginning of episode five, or the duel with Darth Vader or Darth Maul in episodes one and five, or we'll beat Lando Calrissian racing through the superstructure of the Death Star in the return of the Jedi. You have to meet or exceed those things. The same thing's true with a Harry Potter movie. The level of excitement in the storyline will always forever be compared to the battle of Ho the two battles of Hogwarts for better or for worse. They will that has each movie because each book heightens the danger that Harry and his companions are in up to the point of the actual battle of Hogwarts. This produces a problem for any writer who's trying to continue these stories. So Bob, while I agree with you that this probably isn't the way they should have gone, because I, I can agree with a lot of people who didn't like fantastic beasts, even though I did, and I haven't seen crimes of Grindelwald, but if it's everything that I've been hearing, Oh, I'm not looking forward to it. And definitely you'll get my review after I watch it, but I don't think it's a simple, as just doing again, but different, what people already liked. That's the formula for a lot of eighties movie sequels. And well, we all know how well that worked. I don't know. It's, it's something that's been on my mind a lot. If you enjoyed this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this podcast or this series, please do so. That helps me a lot that tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. If you got a buck you can throw my way, that'd be great. In the show notes, you'll find a link that says support on Anchor. If you click that, you can support the one, five, or $10 levels. That money goes to help me do things like get a new mic, like the one I'm talking to you on. So thank you all for that to get vellum, which is going to make the books look all pretty and not take me three weeks to make look all pretty. 
and help me get World Archifer, which is going to get some really cool maps for you guys that I, I am shocked at how long the maps are taking to do, but I, I am working on them. I just, I'm doing a lot right now, but thank you if you do that. If you don't have any money or you don't feel like joining the project at this point in time, that's fine. Just please, if you know anybody that you think would enjoy this show, please share it with them. That helps out a lot too. If you have any questions or comments, please go to anchor.fm and download the Anchor app. Once you're there, follow Project Shadow. You'll see a little button that says voice message. You can send up to a one minute message, keep it clean, and I might just use it on the show to do a whole episode about. And I would love to do that. I've done that in the past and I really enjoy it. Hmm. I think that's it. <laughs> I had a lot to say. And I could have gone on. I might revisit this. I definitely will revisit this after I get to see Crimes of Grindelwald. I just, I'm really concerned when people make series writing sound simplistic because it's, it's not. Anywho, until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.